the things that we're going to talk about tonight. Um, but we all need reminders. And uh, these, are, these are some things that I've recently really been convicted about. I'll get this all set up here. Um, convicted about and challenged on um, in a way that I really hadn't seen Psalm 23 in the past. Um, so I hope it's an encouragement tonight. Uh, this is a very encouraging psalm, uh, one, that, one that shows us just how special we are to God and how much God means to us. And I'd like to approach it from this perspective tonight um, of not necessarily God's provision for us in the things that he gives, but approach it from the perspective of who God is for us. And that God himself is enough. That's all we need. All we need is God, and he is the one that sustains us. Uh, that's kind of the perspective that I want to take this evening. I hope you'll follow along as we, uh, as we work our way through the psalm together. Let's go ahead and start in verse number 1, Psalm 23, verse 1. It says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Let's go ahead and pray, and we'll jump into the passage. Father, we're thankful that you've brought us to this passage of Scripture tonight. We're excited to see what you're going to teach us through your word. I pray that you would grow us, that you would teach us um, something tonight that we can take back with us throughout this week and grow by it, Lord, um, that, that we wouldn't leave this building in the same way that we came, but that we would be changed, Lord, and that your Holy Spirit would illuminate your word tonight. pray that you be with my words uh, and that I would only speak the things that you would have me to say, Lord. And pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. The Lord is my shepherd. That's a powerful statement. Very powerful. The Lord is my shepherd. Uh, let's take it one word at a time. Okay, We're not going to go through the entire chapter one word at a time. But this verse, these first four words, five words, um, are very significant. First of all, the word Lord. Um, it is all caps in our Bibles, which means that it's referring to Jehovah, the Almighty God, Yahweh. It is referring to God the Father who created the universe. Um, and I think that gives us a good perspective of why it's such a big deal that God is our shepherd that the Lord is our shepherd. Does God need to think on us? No. Does God need to stoop down to take care of us? It's completely a choice by the Almighty God to be our shepherd. The Lord is. Let's take that word. It's not that the Lord was Abraham's guide and shepherd. It's not that he used to work on people's behalf, or maybe someday he's going to work on our behalf. No, is. It's, it's present. It's continual. And it's something that God does right now for us in this very moment. The Lord is my. That's possessive. Just like we belong to God, he belongs to us. He is a personal God that cares about each and every one of us. He is my 
shepherd. What is the word shepherd? Why, what, what does that bring to our minds? Um, shepherd is someone who cares for a flock, someone who guides that flock, that tends to them, protects them from danger, um, nurtures them, makes sure, makes sure that they are fed and provided for. Isaiah 40, verse 11 says, He shall feed his flock like a shepherd. He shall gather the lambs with his arm and carry them in his bosom and shall gently lead those that are with young. Love that imagery of God gently being that gentle shepherd, gently providing for his flock. The Lord is my shepherd. And if the Lord is my shepherd, then I do not need anything else. And it it automatically leads us into that next phrase, I shall not want. And that's a beautiful thought. Because if God, Jehovah, is our shepherd, we don't need anything else. And I, I think we brush over that so often. Oh yeah, God's my shepherd. He's going to take care of me and I'm never going to need anything. But we never stop to think about the connotation of that. We never stop to think about what that means for us that I shall not have need of anything because God is my shepherd. It's not that God is going to give me... Um, physical things, which he does. That's wonderful. It's not that God is going to provide me with the food that I need, even though he does. It's not just that he's going to protect me, which he does, and we're thankful that he does. But because he is our shepherd, we shall not want. We find everything that we need in Jesus Christ. And if everything else fell away and I no longer had food, if I no longer had clothing, my house burned to the ground, if I lost everything, if I lost my family, I would still have everything that I need because I have Jesus Christ. I shall not want because the Lord is my shepherd. And that's a beautiful thing because we all face difficulty. Some of us worse than others. We all face difficult times. And we can learn from this passage that all we need is Jesus Christ. If we have him, he's enough. Psalm Psalm 34, 9 through 10. Oh, fear the Lord, ye his saints, for there is no want to them that fear him. The young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. Even the lions, you know, the lions are, are, are known for their predatory instincts and they're, uh, they're excellent hunters. Even they lack. Even they um, lack for food sometimes. But those that, what, what does it say? They that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. What does it mean to seek the Lord? It means to make him your all. To, to make him your focus, to experience him, to draw close to him and get to know him as a father, 
as a son would get to know a father. It's getting to know God on a personal level, seeking him out through his word, through prayer, uh, through our time spent with him. And so just from that verse, very, very clear that those that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. Psalm 84, 11, for the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. That's quite the promise. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. Beautiful. Luke 12, 29 through 32. And seek not ye what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, neither be ye of doubtful mind. For all these things do the nations of the world seek after, and your Father knoweth that ye have need of these things. But rather seek ye the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. And I love verse 32. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Fear not, little flock. God takes pleasure in providing for you. How awesome is that? God loves to provide for his flock. And verse 30 is very challenging. It says, for all these things do the nations of the world seek after. I'm the same as you. I imagine you're the same as me, that we often get caught up with, well, how am I going to get this or provide for this? Or um, how am I going to keep my vehicle running? Um, there's, There's a thousand different questions that come our way about how we are going to get through this life. But verse 30 challenge us, challenges us in that area and says, those are the things that the nations of the world seek after. All these things do the nations of the world seek after, and your father knoweth that you have need of these things. But rather, seek the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. This is the challenge for us to get our priorities straight. So uh, it can be a long week, It can be a long life, and there are a hundred different things that come our way to distract us and to take first priority in our life. But God says, those are the things that the world seeks after. Don't be like the world. Don't be like everybody else. You have a shepherd that they don't have. They, They don't have someone to take care of them. They don't have a heavenly father that's, that's looking out for them. They are trying to live this life on, our, on their own. Therefore, they have to constantly worry about what they're going to eat, what they're going to put on, how they're going to fit into this world, how they're going to keep their job, how they're going to make an, an influence on others. They're, they're, there are a thousand different things that they have to constantly be worried about. But this passage says, no, you, sh- you shall not want because your heavenly father knows that you need those things. Seek him first. Seek his kingdom. Seek the spiritual things and all these other things will be added to you. I think we could preach on that passage for a little while, but we've got a lot more in this chapter still to go. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. Green pastures could be translated pastures of tender grass. 
And the still waters could be translated as waters of quietness. He's literally saying here, he maketh me to lie down in pastures of tender grass and leadeth me beside the waters of quietness. Isaiah 49, 10, they shall not hunger nor thirst, neither shall the heat nor sun smite them. For he that hath mercy on them shall lead them. Even by the springs of water shall he guide them. God's leading is always perfect. Um, in fact, God's way is the very best life that you could ever live. And again, it's easy to fall into the trap of getting into this world's stream of thought, getting into this world's um, movement of I've got to provide for myself and figure out all of my life decisions on my own. Um, it's an easy trap to fall into. Um, and I've got to direct my own life. How miserable is that? How, how, how miserable is that to try to direct our own lives? I don't think I gave this as an illustration in here. I know I have for the teens and, uh, and all. Um, but um, if, uh, if we were to um, start a building project in our church here, um, and I came to pastor and I said, uh, I've got really good plans for an addition to our church building. And I have it all sketched out on my notepaper here, uh, exactly how we're going to do this. And I've, I've, I got my tape measure, and I measured everything out. And uh, I, think, I think you guys should use my plans for building an addition to the church. Pastor, if he were wise, he would say, Pastor Aaron, thank you for your concern, um, but we need to hire a professional that can professionally draw up blueprints and can get everything sorted out in a professional way so that the addition doesn't collapse on itself. And he would be right in saying that because I am not trained in how to design a building or an addition. I'm not trained in that way. Um, anything that I tried to do would be a miserable failure um, because that's not my job. That, that is not what I've been trained to do. And I think that's the way that we approach life. Sometimes we go to God and we say, God, I, I, I think I know what I should do with my life. I think I have the plans for my life pretty well thought out. I think I know what's best for me. Um, would you go along with my plan? Would you go along with what I want to do and make it succeed? How often do we ask God that? Lord, um, I really want this. Would you please give it to me? And that's not always a bad thing. The Bible says that God gives us the desires of our heart. But sometimes that means that our desires need to be made to match God's desires. And when we try to plan out our life on our own, it's never good. It never, it never works out. It, it collapses because it's not our job. It's not our job to lead ourselves to those pastures of tender grass and those waters of quietness. That's not our role. That's not our specialty. Whose is it? It's God's. God is perfectly qualified. The very best blueprint designer that you could ever have could never match God's qualifications for planning out your life. And that's a wonderful peace. That's a wonderful calmness to know that God has that under control. God has your life planned out from beginning to end. And I'm thankful 
that we don't have to plan it out on our own. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. Um, I also think about how God led my wife and I here five years ago. Um, it's definitely not anything that I would have even thought possible to end up in Michigan. Uh, I grew up in Tennessee. Heidi grew up in Pennsylvania. We met in North Carolina. Go figure, we end up in Michigan. <laughs> but we just see God's perfect planning through that. And we have a wonderful church family. God has blessed us in awesome ways up here. And we're thankful for that. Even with all of the snow and slush and ice that we have to drive through, um, we still absolutely love it because it's been God's plan for us. He had it planned out way better than we ever could. He leadeth me. Um, Verse number three, he restoreth my soul. The word restore means to turn something back, make it new, renew something. Um, Just like the word of God tells us to, um, that we need renewing of our minds. Um, And that's something that God does. He renews our minds. Uh, He renews our soul. Psalm 51, verses 10 through 12, is a passage where um, David is calling out to the Lord for forgiveness for his sin. He says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, and uphold me with thy free spirit. That word restore in the last verse is the same word from which we get the restoreth my soul from Psalm 23. Um, and uh, it, it's, a, it's a beautiful thought of God making us new. God creating in us a clean heart. God making us into a new person. He restoreth my soul. And that's a continual thing. That's not just at the moment of salvation, although it is true. Uh, he, does, he does make our hearts like new at salvation. But day to day, he restoreth our soul. Day to day, he makes us like new. Uh, we cast off the works of darkness and we seek to please him with all the things that we do. Uh, our new man is renewed day by day. God is the one that does that. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And I love that they put, he, he, the, the psalmist put that little phrase in there that it's for his name's sake. He leadeth me, okay, again, I'm not leading my own life. It's, Jesus, it's, it's God that does that. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness, all right? So he leads me into good works. He leads me to do what is right but not for me. It's not for myself. It's not so other people can say, wow, Pastor Aaron's a really good person. Look at all the good things he does. That's not, that's not the idea. God is leading us to do what's right. He leads us in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And that's powerful because that's our goal on earth. That is the reason God put us on this earth is to bring him glory. And so me surrendering myself up to God and saying, God, I don't want to plan out my own life. You drop the blueprints. You lead me. You shepherd me. 
He leads us in the paths of righteousness and it works for his glory so that other people can see, wow, what a great God they serve. What a great God that is leading them to do these good things and, and is providing for them and is nurturing them and is planning out a perfect, beautiful life for them. It is all to God's glory that we do these things. And I love that he puts that right in the middle of this psalm because it leads us to just to, to see that all of this is fulfilling our purpose on this earth as well as we allow ourselves to be led by a great shepherd. Um, psalm 79.9, help us, O God of our salvation, for the glory of thy name and deliver us and purge, us, purge away our sins for thy name's sake. So it's wonderful to ask the Lord for help. Ask the Lord to deliver us and purge us for our sins. But we need to remember why we're doing it for his glory. That that purging of sin is to lift up his name. That deliverance is to lift up him. Um, as well as the help that he gives us as well. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death... I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Um, I will fear no evil. He is our protector. God is our protector. Um, and we don't even need to fear death. And I love that about this. That even if we're walking through the valley of the shadow of death, we have a protector. No matter what the darkest trial that you could ever think about, even if that comes to pass, we have a protector. I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Um, let's go over to Psalm 27. Might just be a page or two over there. Psalm 27. We're going to read the first four verses here. It says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes, came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Though an host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise up against me, in this will I be confident. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord." And, into, and to inquire in his temple. Verse 4 is a good reminder of where we're headed. We're not just living this life for the fun of it. We have a destination in mind, and we're going to address that at the end of this chapter. But keep that in mind. Um, it is wonderful to note that even if a host were to encamp about us, even if our enemies were, were to attack us, even if these awful things were to happen, we will not fear, for God is with us. We will not be afraid. Um, and that's a wonderful thing that God has allowed us to do, to cast our cares upon him. Um, I think of this afternoon, um, I was headed up to my house in Carroll, or so I thought, and uh, was was headed that direction on Fostoria Road, and um, the slush on the side of the road started to grip my tires, and I knew 
I was headed toward the ditch. Uh, so I was, I was trying, trying to pull away, and this uh, road sign is right in front of me, and I'm headed straight for this thing. And uh, I was getting kind of scared. And uh, sure enough, uh, I skim right past it, probably about two feet from that road sign. And I'm going about 55 miles an hour or so, maybe a little bit slower than that. Um, and I end up going all the way into the ditch and just kind of follow it down a ways before I stop. And uh, you can imagine my eyes while this is happening. Um, I, there are these little brush, there's like brush and like these small shrub tree-like things that are down in that ditch. And they are just flying everywhere. I'm, I'm watching and I'm like, oh, this is not good. This is not going to turn out well for me. Um, and uh, eventually came to a stop after I mowed down probably about 20 or 30 feet of these little tree things. And I get out of the car. First of all, I take stock of the situation and I realize that my engine is still running, um, which is... A good sign, I think. Anyway, um, I, I, I thought of that as a good sign. And I got out, and obviously I had plowed up a bunch of snow in front of me and stuff, so I was wiping it off, and no dents. No dents at all. And I was just praising the Lord. I look underneath, um, don't see any problems under there. The exhaust is clear, so I'm able to get back in the car um, and, warm up and, and stay a little bit warm while I was waiting for help. Um, and, uh, Ben Lauder's dad, we were able to contact him. He brought a, tra brought a tractor out and hooked it up, found a perfect place underneath, hooked it up. And about 10 seconds, I was out of that ditch. And, uh, it just made me think tonight about how wonderful our protector is. It could have been so much worse. I could have hit that sign. <laughs> I could have, uh, hit something much harder, um, and, uh, I, I, I haven't seen it in the daylight yet, obviously, so I don't know, but I, I didn't see a scratch. I didn't see a scratch on, on the vehicle. Um, and it makes me so thankful for having a God that cares, e even, even in the small things, even in a vehicle, you know, there, there, there are much bigger things, um, that we could face, but I'm so thankful that we serve a God who does protect his children. Uh, whether it be the valley of the shadow of death or if it be a slushy road that drags you into the ditch. Um, God is there and he protects and he does care. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Back to our passage. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. What are the rod and the staff? Um, they serve many purposes um, to lead the flock to... Um, fend off wild animals and things like that. Um, sometimes to discipline the sheep, to get them back in line. Um, and I, I, I imagine that most of the sheep would see the rod and the staff as instruments of pain um, and uh, a, a force to be reckoned with, especially for the animals that would attack the flock. Um. But it's neat to see here that even the instruments of pain bring comfort to the sheep. Um, and I think that can be twofold because, yes, they are used to protect the flock from outside invaders. 
um, but also they bring the discipline that that flock needs to stay in line, and they find comfort in both of those aspects. Micah 7.14 says, Feed thy people with thy rod, the flock of thine heritage. That word feed could also be translated as rule or shepherd. <laughs> um, so we, we, we could replace that with shepherd thy people with thy rod or, or rule thy people with thy rod. And feed is definitely a great word there um, showing the provision that he gives. Um, feed thy people with thy rod, the flock of thine heritage. God is a protecting God. Um, even with his instruments of pain, they do bring us comfort. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Again, an aspect of God where he is giving us nurturing in difficult circumstances. You think of David, what, what caused him to pen these words? Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Can we think of a time when God provided for David in the presence of his enemies? I think we can think of many, many times when God provided for him. Um, God provided him a place of rest in the back of a cave in the very presence of Saul. <laughs> Saul's army came into the very same cave, and God provided for David, kept him safe, protected him in that cave in the very presence of his enemies. God provided for him when he went to the Philistines in the presence of those enemies, even when they were going to, uh, they, they were going to kill him, when his own men were going to rise up against him. God provided and God gave back what was, what was originally David's. Story after story where God provided for David in the presence of his enemies. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. The idea there is that um, he refreshes us. Anointing the head with oil, he refreshes us, keeps us clean. Even, e even an idea of um, keeping, keeping someone healthy or restoring them to health. Um, God is the one that refreshes us, that brings us health that keeps us clean. He anoints our heads with oil. My cup runneth over. How great is that? All of these blessings that God pours on us cannot be contained. These blessings are just running over for all the things that God has given us. There's no way to measure the depth of the blessings of God. I imagine that David comes to this point as he's writing this psalm and he thinks about all of these things that God has been for him, all these things that God has given to him, and he can find no other words to say, but my cup runneth over. I'm overwhelmed at the goodness of God. God should not care about a soul like mine to this degree, but my cup is running over with all the blessings of God. Psalm 16, 5 says, The Lord is the portion of mine inheritance and of my cup. Thou maintainest my lot. God is good and his mercies are everlasting. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. He has his cup overflowing with the blessings of, of, of God and he makes a great observation 
that that goodness and that mercy that God is showing him at that moment will follow him for the rest of his life. He need not fear God's mercy running out. He need not fear that he's going to run out of protection from the Lord. It will follow him all the days of his life. God's goodness is new every morning. Psalm 103, 17, but the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting upon them that fear him and his righteousness unto children's children. Generational, forever, God's mercy will be. Last, uh, last section here, uh, we're, we're just about finished. He says, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I told you we'd be coming back to this, that roadmap that God has planned out for our life. We have a destination. We have a place that we're looking forward to. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And I I think we could apply this in two different ways. We could apply this in the way that says, I will dwell in the presence of the Lord forever in this life and in the life to come. Because God wants to be with us no matter where we are. We should be in the presence of the Lord, worshiping him day to day um, and coming to his physical house as well. Um, Worshiping him in his physical house. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. We can't do anything forever if there's no eternity, if there's not heaven to look forward to. I'm thankful that we don't just get the blessings of this life. We've taken a lot of time this evening to examine the blessings that God gives us in this life. But David now turns his attention to the blessings of eternity, the blessings that will follow him forever and ever and ever. How incredible will eternity be? Now we see through her glass darkly, but then face to face. Remember at the beginning, we were talking about how Jesus Christ himself is enough. We don't need anything else besides Jesus Christ. Our relationship with him is limited right now. We see through a glass darkly. We do not, we cannot have the relationship with Jesus Christ that we will have in his very presence in heaven someday. And it's going to be so much sweeter when we'll actually be there with him for all of eternity. That is what we have to look forward to as Christians. Psalm 1611, thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. Talking about that presence of God. In God's presence is fullness of joy. Not just a little bit of joy. No, complete joy, full joy, cup overflowing type of joy. That is the presence of God. At thy right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. Psalm 73, 24 to 26. Thou shalt guide me with thy counsel, and afterward receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but thee? There is none upon earth that I desire beside thee. My flesh and my heart faileth, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Can you say that tonight? That there's none else on earth that you desire besides God? That God is your sole desire. Philippians 1, 23, for I am in a strait betwixt two. This is, this is Paul speaking. Um, what, a, what a wonderful example of a man that was in the presence of God faithfully. 
For I am in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. He goes on to say that he wants to be in heaven. (laughs) He wants to be right there with Jesus Christ. But he knows that God has put him on this earth for a reason. He has a goal and a mission to accomplish here on this earth that God has given him. Again, the blueprints that God had given him for his life that were leading him in the very best life that he could possibly have. Are are we like that today? Is Jesus Christ enough for us? We've looked at a lot of scripture today of great men of God who had a relationship with Jesus Christ that was so close that they didn't need anything else. Where's our focus today? Is our focus on all the things that we need and that we want? Is, it, is our focus on ourselves? Or are we saying, no, Jesus Christ is enough. I don't need anything else. I, I, I don't need any other pleasure because with him is fullness of joy. He completes my joy. He completes my peace. He completes my needs. He completes every empty spot in my heart. He's everything that I need. It's a wonderful thing to have Jesus Christ as a Christian. And it should spur us to want to share that with other people. Because think about all the people in this world that try to get through life without him. They try to get through life never knowing Jesus Christ, never having the blessings of a relationship with him. And there's so many people all around us that are living lives in the dark, not knowing what they're missing. It's our privilege to tell them. It's our responsibility to tell them. It's our God-given role to spread the gospel, to share that with people that need it. Um, So I want to leave you with just a couple things tonight. First of all, are you sharing it? Are you sharing Jesus Christ with other people? Is it, is it a passion for you? If not, I think Jesus Christ should be more important to you. I, I think we need to grow in our relationship with Jesus Christ because if you see Jesus for who he is and you see the benefits that he brings to life, how can you do anything else but share that with other people? Um, And it's a day-to-day thing. We have to renew that each day. That leads me to my second uh, point that I'd like to leave you with, is that are you living in the presence of Jesus Christ right now? The Lord is my shepherd. Are you submitting yourself to his shepherding? Are you constantly living a life that's filled with Christ? Are you seeking him out? Is he the number one priority in your life or have other things risen to distract your attention from Jesus Christ. Um, And third, I hope that you're encouraged tonight. I hope that tonight examining God's word has brought encouragement to your heart that the hardest trial and the most difficult thing that you could ever face is nothing compared to God's love for you, his shepherding for you. What a wonderful privilege it is to know Jesus Christ as our shepherd. Let's pray. Father, we're so thankful this evening for your being our shepherd, for your being our caretaker. Lord, you know that we fail often. We go our own way. We wander away from the flock. We seek our own way. 
But Lord, I pray that tonight, if we have wandered off a little bit, that your word and your Holy Spirit will prompt us to return. That we would realize that we will not have any peace or joy without the shepherd. And uh, Lord, I pray that as we go about our daily business, as we must on this earth, that we would be sharing, seeking to share that truth with those that we come in contact with. May your joy and your peace exude from our lives and make a difference to other people. May they see that we have something that they've never experienced. Lord, I pray that you give us boldness to share what you have done for us. Now, as we bring our prayer requests before you tonight, may we pray according to faith, knowing that you do care and that you do ask us to bring our petitions before you. Pray that this would be a sweet time of prayer before our shepherd. We are excited to see what you're going to do through the rest of this evening. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.